Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. Amen. Take your Bible. Let's uh, look at Psalm 37. I've entitled the message today, Essentials for Walking with God. A number of these uh, messages are standalone or a couple parts that God laid upon my heart when I was in the hospital and then in recovery. I was, I was thinking about some of these things and, and God has a way of doing that. Particularly, don't we hear better when we're laying flat on our bed looking up into heaven? I don't know, it kind of unclogs the ear a little bit, opens the heart, and, and the Lord gave uh, me a couple of these uh, uh, messages during that time, and I just want to share them with you. Uh, they're essentially for me, but I'll let you uh, kind of eavesdrop and listen to God's wonderful Word as he, he speaks to each one of us. Essentials for walking with God. Psalm 37. You know, most people love to go on a trip, don't they? I know there's some people you'd like to send on a trip, but it's, uh, most of us enjoy going on a trip. And oftentimes they say it's a, a trip and all the joy of it is 90% anticipation. And then you go on the trip and then it's the memory of it is 10%. You know, I mean, Steve and Terry were going to, to Europe there uh, back for their 30th anniversary and we heard about it so long. Steve and Terry would share, we're going to do this and that, going to visit missionaries, going to go to going to go to Paris, and Stephen said before, I'm going to eat as much as I can. See, I never said that, but you did say that, you know. <laughs> that French food, I'm going to try and take it all in by the Eiffel Tower. You know, and Faith and I were kind of swept in with it, and we were like, we were sort of there with you guys. We didn't tell you that. But uh, you know how it is, that excitement, uh, all that, and we're waiting to see the pictures. But that's how a trip is, isn't it? We get all excited about it, whether it's a journey to visit new places or, to, or to, to gather with family like Faith and I. Our kids have all moved to different states. You know, we don't have the bubonic plague, but they all, by God's direction, live far away. Thank God for Verizon cell phones, right? Uh, most people enjoy the adventure. Well, it's common, isn't it, to call life a journey? We do that. The journey, a lot of times high school yearbooks will have that stamped on the front, the journey through our school years or something like that. That's a common motif and theme. Life, it's, it is a journey, right? It begins and you didn't know anything. I'm always reminded, it helps me in my walk with Christ, you know. Uh, I, for about six or seven years, maybe five or six years, I didn't know anything. I'm just glad someone changed my bottom and fed me and all the rest, put clothes on me. I didn't know anything and neither did you. And God used typically our parents to do that, Right? God through them, and God continues to do that as we grow. It's a good way to remember that because we are children of God, and the way to grow up spiritually is to go down and be a child and have childlike faith. I mean, my father said Santa Claus is coming, and I believe Santa Claus is coming. How do you know it? My father said it. You know, then when I found out, like, mm, I don't know if that's really true, if I fess up, do we still get presents? Do you remember that? Did you ever do that? You know, but, you know, I mean, I just believed it. And that, in a, in a way, is what God wants. It. God said it, and that settles it. You know, this is a, 
God said it, I believe it. You know, and really, it doesn't really matter if you believe it. It's still true, but when God says it, that's it. Like little kids, we always say, the Lord told us this. He promised this. He said that. We don't live our life that way as children of light. Well, it's common to call life a journey. Uh, we do move through time as on a voyage. And one of the great things about being a Christian is we don't go alone. Never alone. And how many songs reflect that, right? You know, he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. We sing these songs, right? We fellowship with the Lord in the garden of prayer, the sweet hour of prayer, the communing, the walking, the singing. You know, if you follow me around, uh, I pray in the Lord. I always pray audibly because my mind will be in, I don't know, lost in space. I always pray. I shut the door, get on my knees and pray for a long time early while it's still dark. Pray for a lot of you by name and anything I know in your life. And I fellowship with the Lord. Now, if you follow me around the day, you're like, he's mumbling. I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm in a sh- I'm singing. I sing better in the shower. And, uh, I, you know, I sing, you know. I, I just uh, worship the Lord and enjoy that sweet fellowship of the Spirit. That, that ought to mark your life. If it doesn't, you ought to take examination. What, what's wrong with me? I'm out of tune. I'm out of step. Maybe my heart's far away. Maybe I've embraced sin. I'm just walking through the motion. One of the joys of the Christian life is journeying with the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always. Always, right? It's a wonderful thing that we have as a Christian. He walks with me and he talks. Yet, it's also true, is it not, that not all Christians walk as close to the Lord as they ought to. We're like sheep, right? Some are real close to the shepherd. If you've been a teacher, you know what this is, right? And some are way over on the edge. They're hanging over the edge. And the crook on the shepherd, bring them back, right? You know what a shepherd does if a little sheep wanders away? They take that that sheep and they break their leg. Now, that's a terrible thing, isn't it? Crack. There it goes. Sets it. And then that shepherd has to carry that sheep for about months until it's mended. And by the time it's over, that sheep is so close to that shepherd that he hangs around his feet until he dies. You know, that's sometimes God has to do this, to paddle us. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. We're wandering, hanging over the edge. He goes like, okay, there you go. Break your leg. Give you a little trouble. Get you looking up. Laying on a bed, flat on your bed, like I said. <laughs> and we find out how puny and small and frail we are, how much we need the Lord. And, and when we find that out, has a sense of drawing us close. Like, wow, he loves a wretched sinner like me. Man, it's all about him. It's not about me. That was last week's message, right? Well, Psalm 37 is a wonderful psalm written by David. And David writes this acrostic psalm. Uh, where each stanza, two verses, as it works with the Hebrew alphabet, begins in successive uh, uh, letters of the Hebrew alphabet, A, A, B, B, C, C, like that in English. And uh, it's a, it's, it has some greatly loved verses in the psalm. Uh, people have known that, Psalm 37.4. We'll, we'll look at that. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Many people know that. Many of saints have known that through the generation. Another one is Psalm 37, 25. I was young, but now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And the saints have clung to that through the years as well in this wonderful psalm. David writes this psalm 
Uh, and he's in the face of trouble. He, has, he could be given to worry and to fret. I mean, uh, the, those words occur in verse 1, 7, and 8. It begins with it, verse 1, do not fret. That's a good word. Do not worry. Do not be overcome with, with fear. Is the idea. Do not fret because of evil men. Then verse 7, he says, do not fret again, the NIV. Verse 8 again, do not fret. So it's in the context of trouble. He's not on the beach and things are just right, sipping lemonade, and he writes this thing. This is in the give and take of life, right? In the raw reality, and it happens, right? Living life in a fallen world. And how is it that we are to live for God? Well, we're walking with him. It's a journey. It begins and it'll have an ending i got news for you. Your life's going to end, and so will mine. may end if the Lord comes today or in your life. If not, you'll breathe your last. If you know Christ, instantly you'll go to heaven. You're not your body. You're the soul living in your body, and you're going to be better than ever. And one day your body will be raised. You're going to look better than ever. So will I. I'll even get some of that hair that's thinning there a little bit and, uh, and all the rest. And, and so that's the way it is. Well, there are, uh, uh, David writes, and he uh, gives us a lot of imperatives or commands, if you will, in this, in the, in the shadow of trouble and danger, and uh, I, I really believe that it's a wonderful picture uh, for us of, uh, of how it is that we ought to walk closely to the Lord in the face of a world where each of us struggle and have issues in our lives, our family, at work, and neighborhood. How do we do that? How to? It's one of those how to. David says, do this, do this, do this, do this. He gives a number. We're going to only look at four, and I've called them four essentials. They're really imperatives or commands in the Hebrew. Four essentials needed if you are to have a close walk with the Lord. And here's the point. No person ever had a close walk with the Lord without these elements in his life. It's not like pepperoni and anchovies. I'll take two out of three. No, I don't like onions. No, do these things. Do these things, and, and, the, and, and you will have a close walk with the Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus, our Lord Jesus, is the perfect picture of this in his humility when he's on earth. You're going to see each of these four commands, and he is the ultimate fulfillment of each one of these as he walked, dependent on the Holy Spirit, walking, doing the will of his Father. And so should we. And that's what he desires, that we be like Christ in this regard. So essentials, four of them, needed if you're to have a close walk with the Lord and not fret, not worry, and all the rest. Well, the first one uh, is a trust. Let me give them to you, right? Here they are. Trust, trust, delight, commit, and the fourth is rest. Some of your translations might say wait, but rest uh, is, uh, is the idea. So what are they? They're trust, delight, commit, and rest. Number one, first essential, you must trust in the Lord. Verse three, let's, let's read uh, uh, the verses here, one and seven. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass... They'll soon wither, and like green plants, they will soon, that's the emphasis, they'll die away. Here it is, first imperative. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Second one, delight, command yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Third one, five, 
Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He'll do this. He will make your righteousness, your uprightness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. And and verse 7, here's the fourth, be still or wait or be quiet or rest, depending on your translation. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. Well, trust in the Lord. Trust. This is active. It's not passive. You're not a a twig uh, on a stream going down with a current. I just go along for the ride. Actively, it's putting your trust in the Lord. That's active. Believers must believe. I have on your sheet. That's what believers do. Look, you say, I'm a believer. Are you a believer in the Lord? Yeah, I'm a believer in Christ the Lord. He's my Savior. Well, then let me remind you, believers believe. That's what they do, right? That's what we do. We're people of faith. It's a sad thing when the people of faith have no faith. Something's, uh, you know, that's an, is that an oxymoron? You know, I'm a believer, but I don't believe. Well, wait a minute. It's a good starting point, right? It's a place it ought to start. Now, the word trust here on your sheet, is used the same way in both Testaments, Hebrew and Greek. It means, here's several ideas of it, give you an idea. It's placing your confidence in Him. God is for me. I place my confidence in Him, not my biceps, not my ingenuity, not my brains, not my assets, not my wife. All these things are good in their place, but I place my confidence in Him. I yield to him, another. I submit to him. I take God at his word. Believing what he says and clinging to it. That's the proper place to begin, right? Believers believe. That's what believers do. Trust in the Lord. It's a command. It's not optional. Do it. Actively do that. Remember what? God cannot fail. God cannot fail. We sing that song, don't we? He never fails. He can't take his word back. We do that. Oh, I didn't mean that. Mommy, he's an Indian giver. He's, you know, these kind of things, right? No. God never said, I didn't know. And he always means what he says and says what he means. He doesn't cross his fingers. Ah, I didn't mean it. Tricked you. No. You can take God at his word. It's wonderful, really. Charles Spurgeon, that great pastor of the late 1800s in London, wrote, faith cures fretting for For sight, that is our physical sight, to use things only as they seem, while faith has a clear vision and sees things as they really are. He's right. Trust. Are you a person who trusts in the Lord with all your heart? Now, B, don't confuse, however, uh, trusting the Lord with presumption. Sometimes we presume on God, don't we? We uh, sometimes will do that. Uh, presumption, I define it, presumes that God will do for us what we should have done. Right? God will never do that. He won't. He's, uh, it's a big God and small man, of course, but there's a part that we should do. Like what? Like a student. I served as a professor for four years, uh, full-time in college and 12 years in seminary graduate school. And uh, sometimes a student will say, I didn't have a chance to study for this exam. And I'm praying that God will help me through this. And he would say that to me before I gave out the blue books for the essays. I said, he's, and he would let me know and ask for prayer. I said, 
I think you're in deep trouble. You know, you're going to pray and ask God to make up for what you should have done? Yeah, you'll probably be back here next semester then. Let me give you an early greeting, you know. God expects us to, to, to study and to work hard, right? And, and Now, occasionally things will come up. I mean, I've had a couple weeks. I had one week I had two or three funerals, and it was a terrible time. And I had hardly time to write a sermon. You know, and I said, Lord, I'm really hanging out there, you know. And God met the need. And the amazing thing, and it was humbling to me, people said, that was the best message we ever heard you say. You know, <laughs> like, holy cow. I said, Faith, maybe we, maybe we ought not so study so much. Maybe. <laughs> no, God gave grace. There are times like that, right? When you do the best you can, and, and then the Lord does meet that need, but he expects you and I to do our part. Or it's like, some uh, the person well if God uh, God's really there and He's able I'll put my hand in fire now that's a stupid thing He'll protect me now don't do that that's stupid don't be stupid stay indoors don't walk down the middle of Main Street God's going to take yeah you might take the short shoots and ladders you might just go up if you're saved that you don't want to go the other way but holy cow man presumption be careful on that that's different that's uh, presuming that God will do what you should do or what you should not do. All right, Trust in the Lord means we trust God to keep his promise and do exactly what he said he would do. Wow. Well, let me ask you, what are some, things, what are some other things that we presume? I'll hold on to this. What are some, uh, what are some things that we presume uh, God to do that we, we should do? I mentioned the studies. I mentioned stupid stuff. What, what, what else comes to mind? Anything come to mind? Yes, Jim? Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. like Romans 8.28 is for everybody. Yeah, have you heard that? They presume that uh, they'll say when trouble hits, and they make no mention of being Christian, that love the Lord, but... But we've heard that everything works out for, for the good. I have people say that. You know, and I'll say, oh, wait a minute. Now, do you know where that's found? you know who that's addressed to? That's for the believers. Are you a Christian? You have no reason to think that. In fact, it turns out horrible for you if you're not in Christ. But they presume upon the goodness of God that, they, that that's so. It's not so. And the other points of presumption that you think of in life, Mark? Okay, yes, with, with the persistency and intensity. There's a growing intensity with that Matthew 7, uh, uh, asking, seeking, knocking, and, uh, and not give up. Well, I prayed twice. You know, I prayed, and I did my part. No, God wants to grow us and judge. That's a good, that's a good illustration. Yeah, Diane. Good. Yeah. Yeah, we can be blown, be spendthrifts, and blow the, uh, the monies God gives us. And I mean, God said he's going to meet all my needs, so it's just kind of, you know, this kind of thing. Well, no, God wants us to manage as good stewards the things he sends our way, and our finances are part of that. We can presume on God's care. He may want us to bounce on the bottom if we don't. Stephen? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We presume on God that he owes it to heal us. In his stripes we're healed. Yeah. Yeah, a man told me uh, Friday, he misquoted the scriptures telling me, I said, well, it looks like good things are happening with your business. And he, it was like, name it and claim it. And, and then he quotes, so, well, Jesus said, after all, uh, greater things you're going to do than these, you know, and this and that. And he applied it to his immediate uh, business. Uh, and uh, it, that's not what that meant. Didn't mean that at all. It meant that as you share the gospel, God's going to save lives and going to go to heaven. It means beyond the, the healing of bodies, like the Lord opened the eyes, healed the lame, uh, and, and these kind of things. And he said to the disciples, you're going to do greater things. What's that? That body's going to die. But as you share the gospel and God opens hearts and they're saved forevermore, they're going to go to heaven and live forever. That's the greater thing. It's not that he's going to fix my car. You know, uh, he may do that, but don't apply that verse to that. Didn't mean that. Yeah, Hans? Well, how do we do that? Okay. Yeah, we, we can presume upon God that uh, I'm just going to live forever and ever. After all, I got a good report. And my father got that in December. The doctor told him uh, the last December he lived, he had a physical early. He said, Eddie, you're going to live forever. He died two weeks later. Sudden heart attack. No warning. You know, presume. Now live forever. No. Live each day as a gift and count it as maybe your last. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Christian. I, I show up and I come twice a year, you know, the big, uh, big events and these events in life. That's right. Well, so we're to trust, not to presume, but trust the promises. What are some promises that we're to trust? Uh, the promises of God in His Word. What are just a couple that come to mind? What are some? Barbara? Uh, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's a wonderful promise. I had a goofy dream last night. It was weird. I've been reading a lot with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and, and he fought against the Nazi regime, and he's in jail, and he was finally a martyr, and somehow. I, I went to bed, I told Faith, I, 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 and I was dreaming of this Nazism took over, and people I knew, and it was satanic. I go, I, I couldn't sleep. I, go, I, I woke up, what? I was all goofed up. Holy cow. I, had no, I don't know what that had to do, Barbara, with what you said. But I just, <laughs> confession's good. I don't know where I, okay, what are some other problems? But he's always with us. Thank you, Barb. Oh, they said it wouldn't happen for a few years yet. Yeah, go ahead. That's right. That's right. And that's faith in our, our testimony. That as we give of our stewardship and we're faithful in our giving to the Lord over and above, uh, I, you know, God will meet the need, and He has. And it doesn't mean there aren't some times when we're scratching, wondering, praying, and waiting and waiting. But uh, we've never missed a meal, and we've always lived indoor, and God has given us more than enough. He's been faithful. Yes. Go ahead, Diane. Yeah, that's right. John 15. If we abide in Him and His words abide in us, we're going to bear fruit. And our life will count for something beyond ourselves. A couple more. Yeah, Dottie? 
Acknowledge him and he'll direct your path, not only your character formation, but the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He will, he will lead you along. We are his and he's created us for his purpose. And so we're to trust him, not presume, trust him and rest upon the promises. The old saints used to sing that, you know, resting on the promises of God, you know, and what a wonderful thing that is. Wow. We are. Well, look at second command. We are, verse 4, we're to delight. Not only trust, but more than that, we're to delight. Uh, you must delight yourself in Him. To delight means to take pleasure in, in Him, to enjoy time in His presence through prayer, study of the Word. As I said, to sing. How many times do the Psalms, the Psalms say, sing to the Lord? It doesn't just mean, well, I have to be in church to do that. No! Most of the time you're not here, sing to the Lord. Sing in your car. Sing with a, with a, with a CD player on. Or, or sing. Make a joyful noise. I always get the words all mixed up. In fact, faith said it today. Those are your own words. I said, yeah, but it expresses my heart. It's sort of the idea, you know. <laughs> but, but it's a joy to sing to the Lord. One man writes, the reason, he may be right, that many apparent Christians do not delight in God is they don't know him very well because they don't spend time. They don't spend enough time. Man, before salvation, most people resist the relationship with the Lord, thinking he's not desirable. He's mean. He's yogurt. He's holy. He's, holy, he's a judge. He's going to, you know, this kind of thing. And they think he's harsh. But it's really the opposite, isn't it? Our God is delightful. I found him to be so delightful, more joy, pleasure in walking with him and enjoying him and delighting in him. It's a, it's the joy of my life, and it ought to be of your life. God is, one man writes, is entirely delightful. Delightful. We are to take pleasure in him, you know? We're to do that, like what? Now, what's that mean, to delight in the Lord? How, how do we do it? Well, you delight some. You have grandkids. Faith and I have the two little girls you know about. We're going to see them in a few weeks. And they are the joy of our life, right? Far greater than kids, right? Kids are messy. Grandkids are, they're great, you know? And uh, we delight in them, don't we? They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're the crown. Grandchildren are the crown of the ages, Proverbs says. And I hope I get a bunch of crowns. You know, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but uh, they're a joy. Some of you uh, find great pleasure in your, in your sports team. I know Hans loves the Steelers, you know, and Mark and a few others. Are there anyone else here, Steelers? <laughs> Two. Oh, we got a few. Oh, that's so many. Uh, there's pleasure there. You say, well, hey, that's my team. Get the towel, right? There they go. Rothwell's Burgers. Back. Is that how you say his name? Anyway, he's back. And we take pleasure in that. Don't we take pleasure? My team. They, believe me, they don't want you in the locker room. Stay out of there. You know, it's my team. You know? Pleasure. We take pleasure in that. How about, how about the way we might take pleasure in a hobby? And some of you do that. And some of you that uh, have a boyfriend or girlfriend say, well, I take pleasure in her. This is about all I can think about, you know. Pleasure in that. And we go like, wow, and, and in a rightful way. Smitten. I remember when I fell in love with faith, I was utterly smitten. I kept playing a, a, this one LP. Half of you don't know what that is, but a big record. <laughs> I wore the thing out, drove my roommate crazy. And I was just like starstruck, uh, smitten. That's the best word. I love that word, smitten. I, utterly smitten. I just delighted in her. I just wanted to be in her presence. Well, that's 
that's, it gives us an inkling of what it's like to take the light in the Lord. That's what God is saying. And he commands us, not only trust in the Lord, but take the light. It shouldn't be, all right, I'll read my Bible today. I don't want it. It shouldn't be there. That's a problem. Stick the spiritual thermometer in there. There's something not right. Call the electrician, rewire something, deal with any sin. It should be, uh, you know, I, ah, I got 20 minutes here. I'm going to read the Word and find out what God has to say to me today. I'm going to spend time praying for my family, my loved ones, my church. My pastor certainly needs my prayer. And pray and share that. And just adore the Lord. Lord, you're beautiful. I read that this morning in the psalm. David says, my, my, my desire is to spend time in the house of the Lord and to see the beauty of God. God is beautiful. He's created all things beautiful. And he's given us an appreciation for it. And we ought to, we ought to delight in him. And if we do that, uh, if we do delight in him, and we must delight in him and not in the gifts. A lot of times we're, we're, we're so preoccupied with the things he gives. We delight in them, right? You know, four on the four, a 454, you know, <laughs> and whatnot, cars and whatever, all the toys. And, and God delights it. Those things aren't wrong in their place, you know, but don't. Don't love those things more than you delight and love the Lord. A terrible thing in that. How about, how about if those of you have children, you give your, your, your child uh, you know, a nice present he's been waiting and wanting and needing, and you really surprise him and give it to him. And he ends up loving that gift more than he loves you. Hey, what's your name again? You know, hey, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, love him. He's a gift giver. He gives it all. And if we'll do that, look at see the promises given for those that delight. In addition to our needs and necessities, God will give us the desires of our heart. Isn't that great? That will do something for your prayer life. God's going to give you the desires of your heart. You see, our hearts are far away. God saves us, draws us close, changes our heart. As we draw near and we delight in Him, we begin to delight in the things He delights in and the things that are heavy in our heart, in our life, our jobs, our marriages, uh, our schoolwork, our sports team, our children, grandchildren, the whole bit. And we say, Lord, I'm just giving it to you. And if you would just, you know, I lay this on you, just if you would answer this way and pray specifically. If you don't, you never know if God answered or not. You have to pray more than bless them, and God will do that. But you never know, but in particular. And God said, you delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that great? I mean, that ought to motivate all of us to delight in him and to pray. I'm seeking him. Man, holy man, I don't want to miss that. Now, one man writes, one who delights in the Lord will have righteous desire. You're not going to be off the, off the reservation, you know, like, uh, Lord, give me, I want, to, I, I want to be an astronaut. I'm claiming this verse. No, please, don't do that, you know. Most of you are not going to be astronauts. I want to be a, no, just, you know, and it ought to be righteous desires. Nothing inordinate, nothing evil. It won't be. So what, are your de- what is your desire? I ask that. What delights your heart? Let me urge you to make uh, the Lord the center of your life. Seek, please, and honor Him in all that you do. And He promises to give you your desire. You see, Jesus is the perfect example of this. Can you say He didn't trust the Father in all things? He trusted 
in, in his father with all his heart, didn't he? He did. And second, he delighted in him. He did. He got up a great while before morning. He prayed, he communed, he fellowshiped. He trusted his father, and so should we. And the third essential for a close walk is not only trusting him and delighting him, but third, you must commit your way to the Lord. Verse 5. Again, let me reread it. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him. There it is again, and he'll do this. He goes on to say what he'll do. What's it mean then to commit? Commit. This essential carries us further along, showing us what it means to walk with it. Commit means that we roll the whole burden of life upon the Lord. Now, we've been laden down. Don't problems get us down sometimes? And we shrug our shoulders forward and look like we got the weight of the world on us? You know, that's that nonverbal body image, and we all do that. We look at someone in the eye, and we can, we can tell if they're, they're typically if they're, they're troubled or having a burden in that. And it is a troublesome thing to live in a fallen world. It is. And, and some days are sunny and bright and wonderful. We thank God for them. And a lot of days are in between and a mixture. And some days are deep sorrow and sadness. And uh, God is saying through the command of David's pen here, roll it off. Get it off. You're not made to carry that. You can't carry much anyway. Some of you are in the military, right, Jeremy? How, how heavy were those sacks that you had to carry? Oh, you were yeah, good duty. Oh, yeah. Oh, air. <laughs> All right, there we go. I learned some air force. They just kind of off to the wild blue yonder, huh? Do they? Yeah, the army guys. Who's in the Who's in the army here? How heavy were those sacks? Seventy-five pounds for like a ten-mile hike and walking that even further, probably, huh? Huh? Forced hike. It wasn't volunteer, huh? <laughs> How many of you guys want to show up for a four? No, you'll be there at 5 a.m., right? <laughs> the burden, right? And a lot of times we carry around in a knapsack and it burdens us. What does God say here? If you want a close walk, not only trust, delight, but when the burdens come, and they do, sometimes like waves, just, just keep giving it to the Lord. Just keep rolling it off. You're not made to handle that, to carry that. Roll it off. The problems and the burdens and the heartaches and the issues, and no matter what kind they are, give them to the Lord. That's what God is saying. He's inviting us to do that. No, it's stronger than that. It's an imperative. He's commanding us to do that. What else does it, what else does it mean? It means to cast off all fear and trouble. Leave it with Him. Our problem typically is, isn't it, we lay our burdens on the altar, and they keep crawling back onto our backs, right? Here it comes again, the creepy crud, crawling back up again. Oh, there it is, and we go, throw it back. Here it comes again, throw it back, and we go like, well, if I don't worry about it, who's going to worry about it? We'll say things like that, stupid things. Cast it to the Lord. Be like children. Remember when you were four? No, you don't. Somebody fed you. They took care of you. That's what our Heavenly Father does, you know? Typically, four-year-old kids don't worry. They shouldn't if they're raised in a good home environment, right? And we're kids. And God says, roll it to me. I can carry it. I can carry it. I'm stronger than Charles Atlas. I can carry it. Dislodge the burden from your shoulder. Lay it upon the Lord. He can carry it. Uh, it remember the lesson of the farmer, right? 
If we were more farmers, uh, it would be more intuitive to us to do this. But we're not. We're more sophisticated, and it's amazing the few farmers that feed the world, right? But a farmer, what's he do? He cultivates the land. I used to see this in Indiana. They furrow it. They don't do that anymore. A lot of times they don't cultivate. They just put the seed in now. And they put the seed in, and what's a farmer do? Does he go out there like a chair? Go, 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 go. No. No, he waits on God to provide the sunshine and the rain, right? And the good mixture. And uh, to make the seed germinate. Isn't that amazing? That little seed, corn, produces that amazing stock. And then all the ears on that, amazing. God does that. God does that. That's the lesson of the farmer. As we commit it to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Daddy mentioned until Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Commit your way to the Lord. He'll direct your path. And that 1 Peter 5, 7, that's a bedrock in my life. Cast your every care upon him. Cast it. Throw it. Some of you are fishermen. Cast, right? Cast it upon him, for he cares for you. He'll carry it. We must leave it all with him. We must commit. Why? God is bigger than your problems. Focus on him, not your problems. Give it to him and for the things in your life, and he will do that. Wow, what a blessing to know that God does not leave us to fend for ourselves as we commit ourselves to him. He goes before us. We're not ships at sea without a crew, floating around without direction. At the whim and the woe of the, of the currents, he leads us and guides us. Commit. And the fourth and last imperative is that you must, or essential, you must rest in the Lord. And wait for him. Rest. Be still. Look at that verse 7. Be still before the Lord. This resting is a quiet waiting for the Lord to work. And it's not easy, is it? Hard for us. Resting is a quiet waiting. We like to muse and fuss and shout and cry. And uh, Tell me why you think it's hard for us to wait on the Lord. He says, wait. Wait. Rest. Be still. It's a command. Why is it so hard for us? I know we're Americans. We, get, we love the clock. We got full schedules. Al, why is it hard? How's that? How's that? Yeah, oh, I want it now. And we're not at McDonald's, right? Have it your way. We're selfish, right? Self-focused. We need to step back and say, well, Lord, you're up to something here. I can't see it. I know you're actively working, and God works on many planes at the same time. Many. Not just you. Okay, you're a part of that. And so uh, we want to see it now. We're just wimps. You know, kind of like, I can only hold my breath for a minute. Lord, help me. You know, <laughs> that's right. Uh, what else? Raj? We deceive ourselves into thinking that we're in control of our life and our situation, but when we have to rest, that shows us isn't that, isn't that a big problem? You know, we're all Frank Sinatra's. I'm having it my way, you know. I'm in control. I'm on top of it. It's an illusion, really. Now, I know sometimes things seem to be going uh, according to the plan, your plan, for a moment, right? But we are really small players. And God is in charge. Deb? Yeah. And so when we have to wait, we're not used to that because we're so Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh, neurotic that way, you know. I get an instant answer instantly, you know. Instant, instant, instant. I want it now. I want it now. Barbara? Thanks, Deb. Barb? Faith? Oh, faith. Oh, yeah. We go, well, I think he's forgot me. Maybe he won't, you know, he won't answer prayer. He won't. We, and we get these, the doubts. Waiting, resting, be still. Ramona? Did you pray to Mary Jim? Was that that wasn't part of that, was it? Now that was a different subject. No, that's true. We go like, well, Lord, and we get these out like I, I'm not gonna like what he's gonna do here, you know. We're small players. It's all about him, it's not about us. What else may keep us from resting and waiting and being still? Picture of stillness. Vicky? Yeah. Yeah, be careful about that. I mean, that's a big problem. You know, we look at each other, you know, it's like when Jesus told Peter, you know, you're going to die. And, uh, you know, this and that, they're going to take you where, you know, and, and then he's like, he looks right over at John and says, well, what about him? <laughs> it's in us. Be careful about that. God has his own plan for each one of us, and he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't. We're to rest in the great rest in the Lord. Be quiet before him. Troubles and trials, the final and B, may roar all around us, but we can experience rest like Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. Remember, God's timetable is not usually ours. In his wisdom and time, he answers prayer. Wow. Wow. Well, there you go. Trust. How do we walk close to the Lord? Trust. What else do we do? Delight. What else do we do? Commit. Roll it to Him. What else do we do? We wait. And Jesus did all these. He committed His way to the Lord. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but Your will be done. Remember? Take this cup from me. He committed that to the Father. And then finally, He was still. He rested. Uh, in his Father to do all things well. Well, what can we say by way of lessons for a life before we're done? Number one, if you are a Christian, you should have a desire to walk with the Lord. You should. If you don't, you're probably not saved. You know, time is getting on. I don't want any of you to miss that. I don't want any of you to not be saved, to know that, that your sins are cared for. Because you've been given a new nature in the Holy Spirit if you're saved and if you are saved, uh, you have a spiritual appetite. You have a physical appetite. You're going to eat today in a little bit, probably, right? You're going to eat. Some of you go out and eat, get a hamburger and something. Oh, you have a physical craving. You're going to eat. Well, if you are saved, you have a spiritual appetite. Yeah, I want to come and feast on the Word daily, and I want to come to worship. It ought to be the priority of our life. You should have a desire then to walk with the Lord. Number two. Live up to your name. What do I mean? You're, you're a believer, right? Believers believe. That's what believers do. Trust in the Lord. Don't be the, the, uh, the contradiction. Be a believer. Trust Him. He said it. That's it. 
claiming that. The promises. I believe them. I stand upon it. God before us, who can be against us? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I did that. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that if Terry believes in him, and I did, you should not perish, but have everlasting. Lord, I believe it, I claim it, I trust it. I rest. Number three, make sure your ultimate delight is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I have a wonderful marriage, and I love my wife dearly, and my kids, and my, but my, my greatest joy and delight is in the Lord Jesus. And so it should be with you. The Lord's so kind and generous, lets me live indoors and feeds me and clothes me. I'm grateful for that and all the things that he provides for us, for me. But I love the giver more than I love the gifts. He's so kind. And if perchance it all burns up, I still have him always. Have you come to realize that? He's everything. We're from him and through him and to him are all things. To the praise of God. Number four, roll the burdens and troubles, and don't we have those? Roll them onto the Jesus in prayer, audibly, and rest. Be still and wait. Rest. I remember the day I got the phone call. I was in Indiana pastoring, and my father had died. There was no warning, and it was the middle of a blizzard. And uh, we couldn't even get to Buffalo. I missed my father's funeral, everything. Airports were shut, interstates were shut. It was horrible. 25 below zero. I never saw it. The bank digital thermostat outside our window. Minus 25 Fahrenheit. Nothing was moving. And it went on for like three, four days. And then Buffalo, 500 miles away, my uh, family was trying to come to grips with that. And when my mother called me and said, your father died, that just, I began to weep and went downstairs and, and went in a little bathroom there, shut the door and just cried out to the Lord uh, that I didn't understand what God was up to. But I claimed the verse, Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I said, Lord, I cannot see anything good in this, but I'm going to trust you. I need to have, have, have you carry me through this and for my family. And I'm here to say these many years later, God has give, gave grace, carried us through those tears and those times, and brought us out the other end. I rolled it onto him, and he carried me through to his glory, to his grace. And he'll do that in your life. Roll the burden, whatever the burdens are, Roll them to him and wait. Lord, help me to wait. Pray that. Lord, help me to wait. We're not good at that. And number five and last, number five, to walk with God, you must first be born again. You have to begin the journey. And if you're here as an adult or child, you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior from your sin. You need to do that. It's a command. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You should be saved. Oh, I, if I can help you in that, I'm here to do that. Today, right now in your seat, Lord Jesus, I believe. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. 